You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast. I'm Tyler, and back with me today after a luxurious week off interviewing for summer internships, is my longtime co-host Curtis. And today on the show, we are bringing you the third and final edition of our 2020 performance review series, where we are evaluating the 2020 performances of some of Georgia football's key performers. Really, it's probably going to be our last look back at the 2020 season as we are looking at spring practice here in just a couple of weeks. So those of you who have already checked out the first two episodes in this series, you already know how this works. It's nothing new for you. But for those of you who maybe haven't had a chance to check them out yet, it's a pretty simple idea. Just like all of us normal people who get an annual performance review of some sort from wherever it is that we work here on the Glory UJ podcast, we are doing the same thing for some of our key returning players from the 2020 season. We are going to identify the strengths of each player and also highlight some areas where they need to grow, just like all of our bosses do, right? And uh, then we're going to give them a final performance grade from the 2020 season. And that overall grade is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10. We always find that's a pretty universally understood way to rate players. So we're just going to roll with that. And since this is the final edition of the series, we're going to try to fit in as many players as we can today. We've got a window of time here to record, and we're going to fit as many players as we can into that window of time. We would continue it on into next week, but again, as crazy as it sounds, spring practice is literally right around the corner. I think March 16th is the actual official start of spring practice, and that means we've got to start previewing that next week, which is exactly what we will do on the show next week. But today, we've got the final edition of our performance review series. So, Curtis, we're going to start out with a guy that you and I, we were critical of at times throughout the season, but we also uh, gave a fair amount of praise to him as well when he did things that deserved that praise. And that is running back Zamir White. And I do want to start by saying this is a guy that I just love. I am, I'm just I'm happy he's on our team. He's the right kind of guy you want in your locker room. He is a guy kind of like Nick Chubb in that you just root for him. Like There's something wrong with you in the head if you are not rooting for Zamir White. So I want everyone to understand that, like, yeah, we might be critical of him at times in terms of how he plays on the field and some of the things that we think he needs to improve on. But that's not a reflection on who this guy is as a person. I love him. I'm so glad he's on our team. I'm so glad he's back for another year. 
because you, you know, that kind of leadership is just invaluable. That kind of example that he sets is invaluable for a team, especially when you're trying to build your culture. So we're going to start Curtis with Zamir White and let's open with what this guy does well, because I know we were critical of him at times. We'll get to that again, but he also does a lot of things. Well, there's a reason why he was our feature back all of last year, Kurt. So what are the strengths that Zamir White brings to the table as a running back? I think Zamir's biggest strength is his toughness. I think that's one of the, the biggest things you can get behind him is he runs well, but he gets behind his pads. Um, and he's just tough to bring down usually. He's very strong. He's dur- I mean, it's hard to say durable because of his injury history, but he's one that can take the hits and keep going, especially when he can keep his balance. And I think, you know, you're mentioning about just how he's such a hard worker and everything. So I think when he goes out there and does things well – it kind of pumps the team up and gets them going too when you're out there seeing Zeus doing well. Cause I think just the team loves him so much and everything he brings to the table that when he does well, it brings a lot of energy. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with everything you said there. Like I think when you watch his running style, the the first thing that stands out to you is the power, the toughness, right? As you said, I mean, that's the clear strength of him as a runner, but the, he does some other things well as a running back. It's not just the power. It's not just, that toughness, that physicality that he plays with. I think he brings really good balance to the table. Um, I think he, he's not the fastest guy in the world. All right, He's not slow, but he's not like a burner. He doesn't have explosive home run type speed. Well, we have seen him take the distance plenty of times. So we've seen that, but that's not like what he does exceptionally well. But he does have really good short area quickness. I do think that's an area where he excels when he sees a guy. He, he can make, he, like, you wouldn't think he'd be a guy that can make you miss, but he can if he chooses to make you miss. I do like what he has in the short area quickness. You mentioned the durability. And yeah, I know with a guy that's got two ACL tears, it's hard to call him durable. But I, I totally agree with you when you said that, because the way I look at it in terms of durability is he's a workhorse type of back. Yeah, he's had the knee injuries, but lots of guys get knee injuries. I don't necessarily mean that, think that means he's not durable. I mean, he carried the ball. The, uh, I mean, he was clearly our number one back last year, our feature guy that carried the ball far more than anybody else. I think he has that workhorse type ability that he can just be a guy that you feed over and over again to wear down defenses. And we saw that at times last year. I guess all in all, when it comes to the strengths, I think the physical traits that Zamir brings to the table – I, I think he is like a, a running back that you would kind of like if we had like instantly football, it's coming back, right? Like when you have the, the create your own player, like you would create a player that looks like Zamir White, just the physicality, the way he's chiseled out of stone, that kind of thing. That's the kind of running back that you want. But that doesn't mean that there aren't some areas where he needs to improve. So, Kurt, again, we've been pretty open about this. If you listen to the show throughout the, throughout the 2020 season, and this is nothing new to you. But, Kurt, let's just go over it again. Like, what are some of the areas where Zamir needs to improve going into 2021? Well, I, contrary to what you said about his lateral quickness, I think the one thing is, yeah, he's laterally quick. But it's only to one side. He has yet to fully yeah. develop it where he can do it to both sides, especially when you watch him cut. Um, it's fair. He it's very guarded, especially with the knee injury. So I believe he can cut well to the left, but not to the right. Um, That's fair. I think it's something I, he's improved on, and I think he's going to continue to improve on that as the knee gets stronger and healthier, and he gets more confidence in it. But I think that's a fair criticism. I think. That's and fair. then um, the just the two other main criticisms that I have is first off, I don't feel like he hits the hole well. Um, I think sometimes he gets caught up, maybe trying to be too patient at times or things of that sort. But I don't always feel like when the hole's there, he hits it. Um, I think he's one of the the backs that you see most often get plugged at the line of scrimmage when there's a decent lane there. I think that's the one thing that I've seen continuously plague him. And then third, I honestly think that he needs to 
develop better. I mean, which is surprising to me because out of high school, he was actually a great running back catching the ball on the backfield. But I don't think his that's a strength of his right now. And I think that's one thing that really, you know, I mean, we all know James Cook is great, but that's the only thing I think that's going to keep him off the field more consistently when you have people like Kenny McIntosh and James Cook that just brings so much more versatility out of the, in the passing game, which is where Cook is limited for the most part. Yeah, I, I totally agree, with, agree there. I think that's a key area where he can improve, especially if he wants to improve his draft stuff for the NFL. I mean, we all, I mean, you guys, I'm sure most of all you listening out there watch far more NFL than I do. I watch a decent amount of NFL, but it's, it's not what I do by trade. I'm a college guy. First and foremost, you guys know that. But I mean, even I, when I watch the NFL, you see what do running backs do in the NFL, Curtis? They catch the football. The past yeah, I mean, look, look at look at DeAndre Swift. That was like his biggest asset going to the pro level. Yeah, absolutely, and that's something that, and I think that might be one of the reasons Zamir came back. But the thing is, like, it's tough. Like, how many chances do you think he's really going to get to catch the ball in the back? But when you have guys like James Cook and Kenny McIntosh, who just do do it far better than Zamir does, is he really getting opportunities to show that he can do that in a real game setting? I honestly don't think this year. I think his opportunity was last year, especially when James Cook um, missed some games here and there. That he really that was last year was his year to really show off. I don't know going forward this year. I mean, you've got Kendall Milton coming back or coming on strong. You just and Kenny Mack coming back. I mean, it's gonna be hard for him to actually showcase that skill. And I think that's gonna. I mean, that's one of the reasons I was surprised that he did come back. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think you're gonna see him catch the ball that much more in the backfield because we just have other guys who that's what they do. That's how they get on the field. But that doesn't mean that Zamir is not going to give an opportunity to catch some balls here and there. Of course he will, because you got to keep defenses honest. They can't, you, you can't let out anything every time Zamir White's in the game that he's going to run the football 100% of the time. You can't have that. So he's going to be out there. He's going to be running routes. He's going to, whether it's a check down guy, he's an outlet receiver, whatever it might be, he's going to have some opportunities. And in those opportunities, he needs to cash in. He needs to show that not only can he catch the ball, but he's comfortable doing it. And he's comfortable playing out in space. I think that's one area where he clearly can improve. So you're spot on there. The, the one thing I would add, I love everything you said there, so I'm not going to add too much here, but the one thing I would really add, and this has been my criticism of Zamir really going back to the 2020 season, and really the 2019 season to be honest, is I feel like his vision was just not there consistently. I do think that he improved in that regard as the season progressed. And this is something in 2019, I – when we watched this guy in 2019, a guy who missed an entire year of football with the ACL injury, almost, yeah, well, a year, yeah. What I, I kind of defended him and said, yeah, well, his, he's not showcasing great vision in 2019, but he's also not getting any carries. And when he is brought in there, sometimes it's short yardage, you're just trying to get a couple yards. And how can you expect this guy to, to be, you know, polished and not have any rust at all when he hasn't played for a year? And I, I was of the opinion that the more reps he got, the better that will get. It would all kind of come back to him. You watch him in high school, like, it wasn't a problem. Like, at least his, now, how many full games of his that I watched? Not that many. But I, the clips that you saw, the highlight clips, it was there. You would see the vision. You would see the ability to cut and make those and make those moves and get into open field and, and be explosive in the running game. So I, I, I had seen it before, and I felt, you know, with more time, maybe as the feature back, all of those things would come back. That rust would wear off, and he'd be, he would be back to the old Zamir. We did not see it the first half of 2020. His vision was still spotty at best. What I saw far too often with Zamir White, Curtis, tell me how many times you saw this, where he gets the football from the quarterback, puts his head down, he's going straight down the ground, and just plows in the back of the offensive line. How many times did we see that last year? A lot of the time, and I think I kind of what I was going towards, like he's. I think that's why he gets stuffed at the line of scrimmage so much because he doesn't see the lanes there truly. And there's even times where he should be bouncing it outside, and he doesn't. Yep, he's just not. And, and 
again, it's not it's not that I don't think he can see. I think sometimes he, he's like a he's like a more athletic Brendan Douglas right now with the way he runs. Like he's actually seeking out contact instead of making the cuts to avoid it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's weird. It's like it's like sometimes he feels like, hey, what do I bring to the table? I'm a powerful, tough runner, and sometimes my team just needs a couple yards, so I'm just gonna put my head down, literally look at the ground, and just try to plow ahead and use my strength and my toughness and my physicality to just get those couple yards and get that first down. And it's great. We move the line, we get two or three yards, you get the first down. That's great. But you know what? We also have plenty of opportunities where in on those same plays where, yeah, you might only need two or three yards, but there are holes there for much bigger gains where you can have explosive plays and he just missed them because he didn't see it. I do think he got better at that as the season went on. In fact, I was, I was really impressed the past the last couple games of the season where I really think he started to actually pick his head up, pick his eyes up and look downfield and see what was in front of him. Uh, and so that was encouraging. If he can continue to do that going into next year, I think Zamir White could be a breakout player in America. I think he has all the physical tools. It's just those little things, the polished things. And again, I, I go back to what I said in 2019. I think he just needed more reps. And, and maybe that was the case in, in the first part of 2020 as well, where he just needed more reps so he could kind of get that feel back and continue to improve. And I, I think we saw that kind of bear out late in the season. I think he had his best games late in the season. So hopefully – that continues. I was really excited to see that, but that is the one big area where I would really want him to improve because if he sees the hole, I think he has the lateral quickness to make those cuts and get into those holes. Now, does he have the jump cut the guy like Kenny McIntosh has? No, I don't think so. That's why I'll, I'll, I said it last week. I've said it all throughout the 2020 season. I think Kenny McIntosh is our best running back. I would have him be our, our number one guy, but I understand why Zamir's there and he, he's such a team leader. And he's a guy that, that you root for uh, regardless of, of what, you might see in this game where he might need to improve a little bit. All right, Kurt, real quick here before we move on, give us a final grade on a scale of one through 10, five being perfectly average, 10 being elite, uh, all-American type guy, and one being complete and utter garbage. What grade would you give Zamir White on the 2020 season? I'm going to go with the seven because I think you really hit the nail on the head. Go talking about Kenny McIntosh, how he's going to be – I think he's the most complete back we have. And I, In all honesty, I think that Kendall Milton may be he's right there at what he – I, or I think Kendall Milton's better than what Zeus does and what the, what they're saying. Yeah, he's right there. He's right there. Um, yeah, and I, I want. I, I think, want and I think he has. Be, I think the difference is that Milton has the better vision, which is what you said is Zeus's weakness. Yep, and I I want to be wrong there, and I, I guess I want to be right. I want to believe that with more carries. Now that he's got a year under his belt, that Zeus is going to hit the ground running with spring practice. He didn't remember he didn't have spring practice last year. I want to believe that he's going to be better, and I think he can because he has all the physical tools. And I root so hard for this guy. I want him to be great, and I, I hope it all works out for him. And it's not like he was trash; he was really good for us last year. He just wasn't as good as some of the feature backs we've had in the recent past, whether it's DeAndre Swift or Nick Chubb or Sony Michelle. And yeah, I know those. We're talking about you know first round picks in, in the NFL draft, starters in the NFL. I guess well. One of them was a first-round pick, two or in the upper parts of the second round. But guys that are big-time contributors at the NFL level, I get that. That's high standards, but I really want Zamir to be that. I would give him, you know, I think a seven's fair. I, I, I got a six down here for him. I think he was certainly better than average, but there was a lot uh, – there's a lot of meat left in that bone where I think he can improve. Yep, 779 yards rushing last year, five and a half yards, 5.4 yards per carry. Good stuff. I want him to be up near – like five and a half yards per carry is good. I want him to be up in like the six yards per carry range. He needs to be more explosive. That's where guys like Sonny Michelle and Nick Chubb and DeAndre Swiffer, if you want to continue 
that trend of of not just really good Georgia running backs, but great, outstanding Georgia running backs. He needs to get that yards per carry average up to about six or so. And I think if he improves his vision where he actually sees the holes and creates some of those big play opportunities, I think that can happen. I hope that happens. We'll see. All right, moving on here. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball, Kurt. And let's talk about N'Kobe Dean, inside linebacker N'Kobe Dean. He's a guy that I thought really stepped up in a big way for us last year, especially with Monty Rice nursing a foot injury pretty much all year. What did you see as the strengths of N'Kobe Dean's game in 2020? Oh, he has a lot. Um, I think first off, you have to talk about his speed. I mean, the guy just – it jumps out at you at how quick he is, his closing speed, the speed to make up for everything. I think it's just the biggest thing. Um, second, I actually think is what you expect with him, but the guy is just smart. He recognizes plays quickly and makes a move in 4.0 engineering students. So the guy's just smart, and you see it in everything he does. And I think the one, or I think there's two more things. I think he's a great leader on the field. If you saw in the bowl game that clip of where he was screaming at people because they were lined up incorrectly, you can see he's really taking on that leadership role at, at the middle linebacker position, which is what you really need to set the tone, especially for your front seven. And then lastly, I think the guy just he just has that it factor, with, like the way he rec- like going to his play recognition and the fact that he can cut, he's just so versatile. He'll come up and stuff the run, make the plays the line of scrimmage. But he also will do the nitty gritty things in the passing game, and you know, coming up and making plays there. So, like, I think just his versatility. Yeah, Nakobe Dean's a stud. I love this guy. Yeah, I know he's a little undersized. I get that. But let's talk about what he brings to the table. You're, everything you said, Kurt, was you nailed it, man. Uh, I'm going to start. Yeah, obviously, you got to start with the speed. The speed, like what he brings to the table from a physical standpoint, is the guy can fly around the field. Yeah, undersized a little bit, but he can move. I also love that you mentioned the football IQ. I think that's an underrated aspect of his game. That's why a guy like him who, who comes in as a freshman can, can play so much right away. When We have some experienced guys ahead of him. Uh, I know last year wasn't his first year, but still, you know, going back to 2019, and then last year he took a huge step forward. I think he really became a leader on that defense, especially, again, when Monty Rice was dealing with some with some foot injury issues. Kobe became a leader. I think he really came into his own. I don't know how many of you guys know this. I think we mentioned it back when he was recruited, but I don't know how many of you are aware of this or remember it. Kobe Dean was a high school valedictorian in Mississippi. All right. Now it's Mississippi. So there's that. But still, high school valedictorian, I don't care. That's really impressive. You mentioned Curse. He's an engineering student, 4.0 average. This guy is like a genius. It's awesome. So obviously, he's got a high football IQ, highly intelligent guy. Um, another aspect of his game that I think is so impressive is just the versatility that he brings to the table. He is a three down inside linebacker. This is a guy that does not need to come off the field in any situation. Like Monty Rice, love Monty Rice, fantastic player for us. Monty Rice was not a three down guy. He had to come off the field on third down since he couldn't cover, right? That's not a Kobe Dean. Kobe Dean, I think next year he might stay on the field every single snap. Now, I know we like to rotate and you guys some breathers here and there, but within a series, Kobe Dean does not need to be put off the field for different packages because no Kobe Dean can fit any package that we have in our defense. And that is incredibly valuable skill set for a coach like Kirby Smart to have. That's huge. Dan Lanning, all those guys. Glenn Schumann, that's very valuable. And so because of that, you have a guy that is very fast. He's got very good coverage. But now he's not super long, but he can cover just about anybody that he's asked to cover for the most part. The guys he's going to be asked to cover, the tight ends, running backs, those kind of things. I think he plays downhill really well. Might be a little undersized, so plays downhill well. I think he sifts through traffic very well. He also has a good job of, kind of, just, uh, of just getting lost in, in that traffic, which is a good thing because – the offensive lineman can't really find him. He kind of uses that lack of size to his advantage. Uh, so I think he does a lot of things really well. And dude, I am I am pumped for how good Nicobe Dean can be in 2021. But again, that doesn't mean he's perfect. So Kurt, what are some areas where Nicobe Dean maybe falls a little bit short and can improve in? Um, I think at times he you mentioned he can get lost in the shuffle too much. 
I think that's what, actually it's sometimes good for him, but it's also bad because he is so small that sometimes he has trouble seeing everything develop when he gets lost in the shuffle. And I think that he definitely needs to stay in space. I think that's where Roquan, because even Roquan is great as he was, he's not a big guy, so he had to, you know, not get lost in it. Because when, especially when they get their hands on someone like Roquan or even the Kobe, and I think that's the biggest thing for him. And then I think even in the passing game, um, as good as he did, I think that's the only spot that I would, in my opinion, say that his play recognition wasn't as great as it needed to be. Eye discipline. That was the problem. Yeah. That was the problem. Yeah. When, like when he knew who to cover and, and he wasn't getting fooled by play action, he, he can cover somebody. Like if you're asking, Hey, go, cover like if, this, it's, I, if it's a straight passing down and he knew it was coming, there was no problem. Right. Exactly. But like, Oh, I don't know. Uh, Jacksonville, the Florida game. Hmm. Kind of a problem. Yeah. Yeah, but, that, but that wasn't the only game. I know people like to point to that game because it was just over and over and over again. But it happened far too often in other games as Especially well. Especially after that game, it it, it, it yeah. snowballed. Yeah, and it wasn't just him. I mean, it, it, part of it, it's a result. or it, It's it's coming out of the idea that we put such an emphasis on stopping the run. We really do. And I understand why we do, but sometimes we're too aggressive stopping the run. Now, I'm not, and it's not just a could be. It's also a guy that we're trying to talk about later. Our, our, our guys in our secondary, and Richard LeCount, for instance, got caught doing that far talk. I mean, just think about the first game against Arkansas, that big touchdown pass they had early in the first half. That's because Richard LeCount just got caught up trying to defend the run. He, got, he had very poor eye discipline. His eyes were in the wrong place. And Nicobe, as a young player, was, was, I guess, vulnerable at times to having his eyes in the wrong spot. And that's something I do think improves the time, but that's something that's got to improve because we can't allow you know running backs to just run wide open on the field on us whether it's florida i don't care who it is and it wasn't i know florida again is the obvious example there but it was happened far too often throughout the entire season so that's one area where he's really got to improve but he's certainly not alone in that on our team another area i think he could continue to improve on just, and just get better is taking on blocks and runs that come right at him i think he does a really good job coming from the weak side but when they run right at him, I'm not saying he can't. He's bad when they run right at him. But I think that he's not as strong there because again, that's kind of just a lack of size. So just taking on blocks when they're coming right at him, some finger off the lineman, using your hands to control the offensive lineman, those kind of things, using the correct shoulder, playing with the proper leverage, all those kind of technical things, he can continue to improve on, and he will. Again, he's a young linebacker, and it's amazing to me that he was as good as he was uh, as early as those. I mean, Roquan didn't really come on like that that early in his career. Now I'm not saying that Nicobe's going to be Roquan Smith. Roquan's the best linebacker I've seen in Georgia in my lifetime. Um, and, and I'm not saying Nicobe's going to be that, but he was better earlier than Roquan was just to put that out there. But Carl, as a, as a grade here on the year, what grade would you give Nicobe Dean? We're going into next year or this year. Sorry. Uh, just based on his performance from last year. I'd say a seven. That's exactly where I've got him. Yeah. I think that's fair, right? Like he was really good, not elite, but certainly better than average. Kind of like pushing on, like knocking on the elite door. Is that fair to say? Yeah, exactly. Like he, he's he's not far off, but he's definitely not average. Yeah, he's definitely last year was far better than average. I don't. I think I still think there's some areas we can continue to improve. Uh, and so I think yeah, not quite elite, but certainly has the ability to become elite and something. So a guy that I honestly expect to take that next step this year. Going into, the, I mean, he's going to be the guy this year, inside linebacker. There's no money rice. He's going to be the guy, the leader. I think he will take that next step, especially with spring practice here. He's a starter. He knows that. And it, it's going to be awesome to see how much this guy improves. He led the team in tackles already last year. Again, a three-down guy. I think a seven's the, the, the right number for Nicobe Dean and based on his performance last year. And uh, I would love to give him a 10 when we come and do this next year. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. 
Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, moving on here, Kurt, let's go to the offensive line. Let's go to Jamari Salyer. So I'm interested. This guy's a first-year starter. He starts at left tackle, a guy that I always thought is a better long-term fit at guard than tackle. But I think he held up pretty well at left tackle for the most part last year. So what do you see as a strength to, to Jamari Salyer's game? Well, I think anytime you talk about Jamari Salyer, you have to talk about his footwork. I think that's one of the best parts about him, his feet. He's so quick. I think that's just the one thing that makes him such a great player in general is just his great footwork. And then second of all, I think that – I think he's actually really strong. I think once he gets his hands on people, then they're not really going anywhere. And he does a good job. I think it goes back to the speed of sometimes when he messes up or something, he's able to recover very, very quickly. Um, those are the two things that really jump out at me currently. Yeah, I'm gonna, I, I totally agree. I'm going to add something to that. I'm going to say not just his footwork, but I think it's the size – athleticism combination is that yeah exactly like because you know some linemen can have great footwork but be weak or be you know not heavy enough no he has the great the the balance you want yeah six four three twenty five and his footwork i mean even go back to his high school days that's what always stood out to me about jamari sire watching his highlight tapes uh this guy just moves exceptionally well for a guy that size and I would also, like, we talked about how smart N'Kobe Dean is. Jamari Salyer is one of those type of guys, too. Maybe not quite, like, the valedictorian level N'Kobe Dean was, but he's also a really smart guy. I did not – of course, there were a couple of busts here and there. Everybody has those. But he wasn't a guy that was having busts on the offensive line all too often. It was a pretty rare occurrence for a guy like Jamari Salyer, especially as he settled into that position as a first-year starter. I know the Arkansas game was a disaster for pretty much everybody on the offensive line, but as the year went on – I'm not saying he didn't get beat from time to time, but it wasn't because he just didn't know what to do. There were some guys in the offensive line that didn't always know what to do. Jamari Salyer was not one of those guys all that often. So I think that was the strength of his game. You, as you mentioned, the size-speed combination. I think the versatility, the guy that a guy that absolutely, again, I think is a better long-term fit, especially at the NFL level, as a guard, but he had to be able to slide out and play left tackle, kind of like what we saw with Isaiah Wynn a couple years back, right? Guard, tackle, go back and forth. You almost play any position on the offensive line. I think you could say the same for Jamari Sawyer. I think Jamari Sawyer could play center if we needed him to. So just kind of having that versatility, I think that's a, a bonus as well for a guy like Sawyer. You're trying to find the best five on the offensive line, as our coaches are always saying. We've got to find the best five, right? And Sawyer helps you with that, with his versatility and his ability to play different positions along the line. But uh, what about some areas where he can improve on? What do you, you see from Sawyer last year? Where you're like, you know what, man, I really think that's an area where you need to grow. Well, it's hard for him to grow per se in this area, but he has those T Rex arms. Yeah, that's um, the, the link, which the really issue. hurts him at the tackle position. Where you know you looked at Andrew Thomas and 
uh, Isaiah Wilson before he became a head case, that was one of the biggest things for them is they were just so long and lanky. And I think yep. that's one the part that really affects his game at the tackle position. Yeah, um, absolutely. And and, it's, and there's nothing he can do about it. And that's why I think he's more na- a more natural guard. And when you move him into guard, he makes all the plays that you could want out of him. I think that's more natural fit for him, especially when I'm looking at him, what he does when he's in the guard position. It's hard to find stuff that he does bad. Yep. Absolutely. You're exactly right, Kurt. Just like I can't help the fact that I have very little hair these days. He cannot help the fact that his arms are very, very short. Or not, maybe not very short, just not as long as they need to be to play left tackle in the NFL. That's just the bottom line. Uh, and it, it's not his fault. You're exactly right. There's nothing he can really do about that. I think it's a testament to how good of a player he is that he held up as well as he did last year at left tackle with the length issue. And that's why, again, going back, I, as you just said, I said it earlier. I think he's a better long-term fit at guard. He's more of a natural guard because length is not as much of an issue at guard as it is at left tackle when you're playing those speed rushers and you need to get your hands on them. Because if you get your hands on them before they get their hands on you, you win the vast majority of the time. If your arms are that long and they get their hands on you first, you're beat. You're done. All right, good luck. And that's, that is a problem for Jamari Salyer. It wasn't a massive problem for us this year because we didn't face some of those crazy speed rushers until we got to uh, the bowl game. But we didn't get to that until late in the season. So I don't know. Again, I think that he's a much better fit at guard long-term. I, I hate to call this a weakness because like, I, I, what can you do about it? But that's the one area where that's, that's the problem. So I think that's why we might have might find a long look for him at guard this year. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. See how everybody else plays at tackle. Cause we got, I think we know he can hold up a tackle. I think it really depends on the other tackles. Are they ready to play? Is anyone ready to play left tackle? If they are, then you might see Stallier move inside. If not, then I guess I guess we'll see. All right, all right. Moving on here, let's go uh, back to the defensive side of the uh, real quick. Sorry, skipping a, a part here. What grade would you give Jamari Stallier on the year last year, Kurt? I might. I think a seven's fair. I think he was above average, but he definitely didn't do anything to separate yeah. himself. I think he was a really good SEC starter at left tackle, not elite. Certainly better than average. I think a seven's a good solid number there. I, I'm with you. All right, let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Let's go to safety Lewis Seen in his first year as a starter. What did you – I mean, Curtis, this guy really had to take over as the leader in the secondary once you saw Richard LeCount go down with a terrible injury. What did you see from Lewis Seen that, that you thought makes this guy a, a player that can really jump on the national scene? It's maybe potentially a guy that could be an all-SEC type player here coming to 2021. To me, just the headhunting ability, the way that he loves to hit, I think is the thing that jumps out at you the most. He's like the complete opposite of J.R. Reed. JR, or not the complete opposite, maybe when it comes to hitting. J.R. Reed was great at being in the right position, especially when the ball was in the air. Um, but he was not physical, and that's the complete opposite. Lewisine comes up to the line of scrimmage, makes those plays, and even he even cleans up plays in the backfield when other people missing tackle. He's, he's just he's always there to clean up when you need it the most, and I think that's the one thing that jumps out at you. and the one thing that you have to praise him the most is he's physical and he's not afraid to tackle him. And that's what you need. Yeah. Physicality. That's gotta be number one on your list, right? I mean, this guy in, in an era where you can't really have true headhunters anymore. I think he's kind of like the closest thing you can have to, I mean, he almost decapitated Kyle Pitts and I, I don't think it was a dirty play. He wasn't trying to kill the guy. He just hit him with everything he had and happened to hit him in the head. And it was, it was tough. I think he about knocked himself out in that play too, but that's just a microcosm of what this guy does. I mean, he's uh, an intimidator that, I mean, that you would see in the old days. No, obviously he's not as big and physical as a guy like Greg Blue was or Thomas Davis, but he wants to be that. Like, inside, he thinks he's that. That's he, he, that's that's his identity. That's what he wants to be, but you're not really allowed to do that in this day and age anymore. I, I, here's, I know that sounds like a, 
a broken record, but I guess it's the trend. I also think he's a really smart football player. If you watch him back there, he's another guy that didn't have a ton of like just flat out bust where he didn't know what was going on, going on. Again, it happens from time to time. Everybody does it every now and again, but it was rare from him. That's why I think he's a guy that Kirby Smart just has a lot of trust in back there. And you got to have trust in the back end. I mean, if those guys bust, it's sixth for the other guys. That's just the fact of the, of the situation. Another thing I think he brings to the table, he's got like, it's weird. Like, I don't think he's necessarily like the fastest guy on the team or anything close to that. But when he's closing on a ball carrier, I think he has very good closing speed. It's like, it's like he pushes it into another gear when he's closing on a ball carrier. So I love that about his game as well. But what about the other side, Kurt? What are some areas where Lewis needs to improve? He definitely has to improve in his pass defense. I think that's the biggest weakness in his game. He's smart and everything, but I just don't think he has the great ball skills right now. I think that's the thing that hurts him the most. I just think it's just coverage in general. And this is not like safeties have this problem. Safeties are not coverage guys by by trade, but they're going to have to cover at times. And he was like a disaster in coverage, but there were too many times where he got beat, whether it's a tight end or a slot receiver, where he just, and he, I guess, would kind of be there for the most part, but just couldn't make the play on the ball. And that's got to continue to improve. Again, young guy, like some of these other guys we talked about, that I, I fully expect will continue to improve. That's one area where I think there is certainly a good bit of room for improvement. And going back to what we said about Nicobe Dean, I discipline Lewis Seen was a guy I was talking about was coming up next. He's another guy that far too often, if he did get beat, and it was like a, a, a bust, if you want to say. It was typically because his eyes were in the backfield, and he got fooled and took a couple steps too far forward. And before he knows it, the receiver is past him, and he can't catch up. That happened far too often. Now, it wasn't like an epidemic, but it happened too many times for my liking. Just kind of that over-aggressiveness and just keeping your eyes in the right spot. you got to know where to look. And sometimes Lewis Seen had his eyes in the wrong spot, and it hurt us. So that's just another thing. As a young player, you got to continue to grow at, and I think he will. But going back, looking at his performance from last year, that's an area where he certainly needs to improve. All right, Kurt, uh, what grade would you give Lewis on the year? I think you have to go with the seven. I think he's probably one of our most sure-handed tacklers. Um, so I thought he did better than average on that part. But Yeah, I, I think Lewis was kind of like Jamari Sager, a really good SEC starter for us. Was he elite last year? No. Did we see signs that he could be elite? Yeah, I think we saw signs that he could be, but he wasn't maybe quite there yet, uh, but certainly better than average. Again, a good SEC starter, so I'm with you. I'll go with a seven as well. We keep getting out these sevens. I think that's three in a row that we have sevens. Let's see if we can have something different on this next one. All right, next up, let's stay on the defensive side of the ball, and let's go with outside linebacker Nolan Smith. Of course, former number one overall recruit in the 247 composite. Let's not forget that. People forget former number one overall recruit. What is Nolan bringing to the table as an outside linebacker that you saw from him last year that impressed you? <sighs> I think the guy is actually a really good pass rusher. We just didn't get him enough in passing, you know, pass rushing situations because Aziz just really dominated it, especially yeah. being for the most part a three down guy. But I think Nolan can be a three down guy. I think he's someone that can hold up in the run. He's a strong guy, but he's also like he he's actually not gigantic, but he's so much stronger than you realize for his size. Um, he's fast. He's quick. Uh, I think that he's everything you want. He just didn't have the opportunities per se. Yep, I totally agree. Um, you said everything I was going to say. I mean, I, I think Nolan's problem was that Aziz Ojolari was ahead of him. And then Jermaine Johnson won, you know, had to find some roles for him. I mean, it's just Aziz was so good. It's, I mean, he's going to be a first-round pick. It's tough to get Aziz off the field, no matter how good Nolan is. Yeah, I mean, is. what you saw in the bowl game is probably what they saw in practice every day. Like, Yeah, I mean, I, and one of my weaknesses, I mean, I don't even think this is a weakness, but like he was only on the field 26% of the def- defensive snaps last year. 
it's hard yeah. to make that much of an impact if you're only on the field for a quarter of the snaps defensively. It's just tough. And I think that Nolan Smith, like, Kurt, do you think Nolan Smith can be every bit as good as Azizo Jolari? Oh, I think he could be better because I think he's faster. Um, yeah, I think, I think he's a better that overall he actually athlete. brings more to the table, realistically. I think he's a better overall athlete. I absolutely do. I get why Aziz played above him last year. I'm not disputing that. Aziz was the guy no. last year. He deserved to be the guy. But that doesn't mean Nolan doesn't have maybe even a slightly higher ceiling than Aziz. I think he does. Now, he's got to continue to work and get there. But that's the thing about Nolan. Here's one of the strengths I love about this guy. He has every physical tool that you could imagine that you would want. The quickness, the explosiveness. He plays with a high motor. But it's not just the physical tools. He has the right attitude and high character just like Aziz. Not only does he mirror Aziz in terms of his physical abilities and that athleticism, but just like Aziz was a great teammate, a hard worker with high character, great attitude, Nolan Smith is the exact same way. Did we hear a peep from Nolan yeah, Smith? It, like, between Jermaine Johnson and Nolan Smith, who had a more, you know, understandable exactly. argument of not being happy with their PT? Not the oh, guy yeah. transferred. Oh, yeah, Nolan. Yeah. But you hear a peep from him. Didn't hear a peep. No, and not that's a peep. the kind of guy that Nolan Smith is. So to me, I bring that up only to say I've always been of the, of the mind that when you have elite physical tools and you are a high character guy, you have the right attitude. When you merge those two things together, that's when you have the potential for greatness. That is when you have the potential for greatness. Some guys have the physical tools, but they don't have the attitude. Some guys have the attitude, but they lack the physical tools. Nolan's got them both, just like Aziz did. That is, those are the ingredients for greatness. I can't promise you he'll be great, but he has everything it takes. So I love it. Uh, weaknesses, I mean, yeah, lack of reps. I would say consistency against the run. At times, he would take on the run the right way. He's physical. You're right. He plays stronger than he the, he plays bigger than maybe he is. Oh, he's only five pounds lighter than Aziz. Uh, but just consistency in, in his technique against the run. And again, that comes with more reps on the field. So uh, I'm really high on Nolan. I mean, I don't. It's hard to say you're going to lose much of a beat with with Aziz going on in the NFL. But with Nolan, like, I, I, maybe we won't. You know, and with Dan Laning coaching them specifically now i do doubt landing overall but when it comes to outside linebackers they performed well under him yeah they do they do all right uh real quick grade for nolan on the a year five. a five i'm a, i went slightly higher i went six um, i mean he just didn't have the opportunity to do anything right, yeah. so and then even when he did out there it wasn't really as much in a passing situation so i mean he was just he, he was maybe I'm being, biased. I'm being kind of like guided by what i saw late in the season when he got more opportunities maybe that's kind of blinding me here i think a five is very fair um and it's not a reflection of the kind of player he is i think it just again it's the no it's of, just he didn't have the opportunities yeah i agree so i think a five is fair i might go six i did see some times where he was disruptive and i think he can definitely do a lot of that if he gets on the field you're a podcast listener and this is a podcast ad reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads go to lips now that's l-i-b-s-y-n ads.com you're a podcast listener and this is a podcast ad reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N ads.com. All right, real quick, we got time for maybe one or two more. We're going to go rapid fire in these last few try to fit them in here. We've got about five or six minutes. Uh, let's go receiver Jermaine Burton. So true freshman receiver starts from day one. You and I... Said in the preseason, we thought this is a guy that would be a prime candidate to start 
from day one. And lo and behold, you know, every now and then we get something right. And we got that one right. What did you see in year one from Jermaine Burton that really was encouraging for you? Um, improvement. I think that's the one thing you want to see out of freshmen is that they continuously improve. Um, and you saw that, you know, he struggled with his routes and getting all that knowledge down at the beginning of the season, but he continued to improve. And I think that's one thing that I'm really encouraging about him. And then I think his, his quickness. I mean, when that, when we first signed this guy, I wasn't sure about his speed. And to me, that ended up being one of the main assets of him. Like realistically, when I looked at what he did, you know, at first we we're all like, oh, you know, crap, Don Blalick's hurt again. But I actually think as a freshman, he was light years better than what Don Blaylock was as a freshman. Oh, I, 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 yeah, I, I would agree with that. I would agree. And so I think Don, that's the biggest thing is just like – and he's got great hands. If you get the ball near him, he's going to make the play. And I think he also is smart. He knows how to get open. That's so something some receivers can be fast. Like look at Demetrius Roberts. He's got the instincts. He knows, yeah, right, he, knows he has great instincts of dodging in and out, of, especially in that slot position. I think that's where we saw him a lot out of. He just has great instincts of knowing wh- what to do to get open. Yeah, I, it's weird. Like, you're right. He has those natural instincts of, like, how to get open. He knows, like, the nuances of that position. That's one of the reasons he was able to start from day one is what the coaches saw in him. Um, and I think just route running in general. This guy's a very fluid athlete, and he runs exceptional. Like, especially for a like for anyone, he runs really good routes. But for a true freshman without a spring practice, the way this guy could run routes, the polish he had coming out of high school, you don't see that very often. Usually it's guys that, that make an impact in the receiver position as true freshmen. They're just bigger, faster, stronger than everyone, right? They have, like George Pickens, who just make those incredible catches. George, as a true freshman, didn't know what he was doing half the time. And but and that's no, why he, he couldn't he couldn't run a back shoulder at all. Yeah, like Pickens' route tree was very limited in his first year, even some this year, but especially in his first year. Burton was running pretty much every route they wanted the guy to run. Um, and he's very athletic, strong hands, as you mentioned, a lot of strengths, a lot of things to like him. Heck, the guy almost for the, the single seat, the, the single game receiving record against Mississippi State. I thought he was going to do it, but just fell slightly short there. But as a true freshman, Kurt, there's clearly a lot of things that we saw this guy needs to improve on. So what did you see from him that you're like, OK, buddy, we got to We got to fix that. Um, the one thing that really stands out to me is I think that he needs to improve on his tracking the ball in the air. I think that's the one spot okay. that I consistently saw where it was good and bad. And I think he needs to become more constant in that part, especially, you know, towards the later of the year, he was, he was having trouble tracking the ball uh, sometimes o- under running it and things like that. I, that's just the one thing. And then I think he needs to, how much air he puts under the ball. Yeah, exactly. I think that was one the thing, like you saw it a lot from him where George did a better job of tracking the ball in the air. He George would always find a way to at least be close enough where Jermaine just didn't do a great job of tracking it once it got high. And then I think second off that um, Jermaine still needs to become more polished in his route tree and the fact of learning the system. Yeah, the, the what I'm going to say for his weaknesses, I think physically he does a lot of things really well. I think he's got he's a really polished receiver for a young guy. He just, half the time last year, didn't know what in the world he was doing within our offense. And that's hard to criticize the guy for because he was a true freshman without a spring practice in a brand new system with, I mean, whatever it was that we were working with quarterback last year. So, but there were plenty of times last year where the quarterback looked like, looked like the idiot. Like he was making like, what are you doing? But it was really Jermaine, like just not, not seeing a side adjustment, breaking the wrong way, those kind of things. Again, that's not a reflection on like Jermaine Burton's not a smart guy. No, not at all that he can't learn the offense. Not at all. It's just, he was learning it on the fly and it's tough. And that's why as good as he was last year, 27 catches, 404 yards, three touchdowns in 10 games last year. 
I think this guy could have another, uh, uh, just a huge year this year, uh, especially with George Pickens getting as much attention as he's going to get. And Jermaine now knowing what's going on in the offense, understanding the offense, Jermaine could be a big time player for us next year. Um, you know what? I lied, guys. I said we had time for, for two more. That was going to be our last one. Hate to cut it short here, but we're running out of time. We got to get out of here. Uh, but thanks for listening, guys. We always appreciate the support. Hope you guys enjoyed this series. We had a lot of fun doing this. We'll do it again next year. And I wish we could continue on with it next week. But again, spring practice is right here. So we got to start previewing that, man. That's coming up in two weeks. So we got to start doing that next week. So we'll have some spring practice stuff for you next week. So look forward to that. But thanks again, guys. Always appreciate it. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>